Hey, welcome to Pastor Ryan. Thanks for checking this station out. This is your weekly podcast where we post on Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays, we walk through a passage or a chapter of the Bible. We pull the truths of God out so we can apply it to our lives. Thursday is This Day in History, 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 uh, where we check out big events, births, deaths that impact the world around us. Hey, don't forget to check back often each week. Like, share, subscribe, love God, love people, make disciples. This morning, if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 11. That's where we'll be this morning. We don't know why things happen in our world, why some go to the hospital and they don't come back, why some recover. We don't know why bad things happen. They just do. Our job is to trust that God's plans and his purposes are good and that we can trust him, we can depend on him, and we can follow his son Jesus all the days that he gives us. This morning, we're going to see a people who try to live autonomous from God, independent of him. They walk away from him over and over and over again. We see it all throughout Scripture. And God deals with sin, and he does so justly and rightly. And his plans are good, and his purposes stand forever. That's the theme of this morning. But this independence that these people try to do, it's not new to our day. It's all throughout Scripture. We see God, uh, people, we see people sin. We see God deal with sin. And then we see God give hope to those who have been forgiven or those who've been given a new name or those who've been given a new purpose. And we'll see the same thing here uh, in Genesis chapter 11. We'll start in verse 1. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord God came down to see the city, the tower that the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech, so that the Lord dispersed them uh, from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we are here today that we understand the importance of gathering together to worship, to sing, to read your word. God, I pray that as we gather together, we grow together in the power of you and you alone. We thank you for your word. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to hear it and help us to share it with those that we uh, meet uh, this week. It's in his name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So if you're taking notes... (coughs) The theme is this, God's plan and purposes will stand forever. That's it. God's plan and his purposes will stand forever, despite humanity's sinful hearts. 
All of us here have sinned. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. Uh, there's nothing that's not new for us to hear. We're all sinful and we all mess up. But God, in His infinite mercy and love, gives us a hope uh, to be forgiven of that sin. His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, there we go. We've got to get lively this morning. But when a people or a family or a nation walk away from God, there is judgment, there is discipline, but there's also mercy and there's also grace. The passage this morning shows us a people who try to do just that, but we have to understand the backstory. There's a backstory to this story. Uh, if you were to start in Genesis chapter 1, God tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So have babies and fill the earth. Go fill the entire earth, right? Adam and Eve, what, what happens? They sin, they rebel against God, they want to be like God, and they are pushed out of the garden, uh, but they're given a hope that there's going to be one who's going to come to save us from sin and death and all the pain that that comes with. Then you have Cain and Abel. What does Cain do to his brother Abel? Kills him. Why? Because he's sinful and he's jealous and he rebels against the plan of God. And then you have in chapter 6, corrupt evil sin increases over the face of the earth. We have God calling out Noah, a man who walked with God, to build an ark. And then God flooded the earth and they start over in chapter 9. And God says something. He says to Adam and Eve, be, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And then we land in chapter 11. And what does humanity do? Humanity finds a plain in the land of Shinar and they settle. Are they listening to God? Yes or no? No. They walk away from God. They try to be independent from God. And they settle. The theme here is God created humanity to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with his image and his glory. And man, repeatedly in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, even in our day-to-day, -day, try to live their life on their own terms, in their own way, making their own plans. Who here has made a plan for next week already? Go ahead and raise your hand. Who's got their schedule book ready to go? You put in appointments, you put in whatever in your phone or your calendar book, whatever it is. Now let's get personal. <clears throat> How many of you consulted with God before you did that? Humanity tries to live autonomous from God on a daily basis. If I'm honest, I do it all the time. My heart is prone to wander from God, the God who I say I love on Sunday morning. If you're honest, you might say the same thing, that there are mundane things that we do Monday through Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Who gets up in the morning and just makes coffee without even thinking about it? And you go throughout your day and you start over and you go to bed and you get up and you start over and you get up and you go to bed and you start over over and over and over again. God wants you to be an image bearer, but he also wants you to be dependent upon him all the days of your life. I am very thankful that I have breath. Just to breathe is amazing. And it's from God, and it's from Him alone. And we see a people here walking away from God. They choose self over God. They choose autonomy over dependence. They choose pride over praise of the Creator, the one who created all of it. All of it. And they say, yeah, we're going to do our own thing. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans of the man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will stand. That's the theme this morning. We're going to walk through this together. Look at verse 1 through 4. And we're going to slowly walk through this. The, if you've taken notes, uh, point number one is the hearts of man. The hearts of man. 
Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. This was their idea. They were like, We're only going to stay here. We're going to build a city, build a tower, and we're going to stay put, unless, or lest we be spread out by God. Verse 1 says that they have all one language and all the same words. If you were to look at chapter 10, the heading says, The nations descended from Noah. So the nations and the languages are all laid out in chapter 10, but in verse 11, it says they all have one language and one word. And you're like, that's confusing. It's the same way Moses is writing. He's doing this just like he did in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. One says, here's creation. Two says, here's creation in a smaller picture. Same thing. Big picture in chapter 10, small picture in chapter 11. But verse 2 says, they migrated from the east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled. Anytime in Genesis you see moving from the east, take note. There's trouble brewing. Uh, they're moving away from God. The, the, some of the examples, Adam and Eve, when they were moved, what side of the garden did they move from? The east, right? A cherubim guarded the east. And so they were moving away from God, moving away from the blessing of God in the garden. Uh, when Lot left Abraham, he traveled eastward to where? Sodom and Gomorrah, right? <clears throat> Abraham's son, where they were sent away from Isaac, they traveled eastward to the east country. Jacob fled his homeland to the people of the east. Anytime you see this in Genesis, wake up, take note, highlight, and say, what's going on here? Something's about to happen. But the crux of this whole thing is in verse 3 and 4. They said, come, let us make brick and let us make mortar. Uh, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This is the problem with a sinful heart. We're going to call it a Babylonian heart this morning, just because it's easier for me to understand. But A, a Babylonian heart builds a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. You're like, that's weird. But that's what a Babylonian heart, that's what a heart that is trying to be independent from God tries to do. We try to build cities, we try to build towers, we try to make a name for ourselves. The idea of this tower, there was a picture, I don't know if we can get that up there, but it's, uh, there it is. <coughs> This is called a ziggurat, and it was uh, levels that were bigger and smaller. Uh, Herodias would walk through Babylon one day, many centuries later, and say these were like giant mountains of man-made mountains that they built. But the idea was the top would be in the sky, and they could commune with the gods. They could build high enough to bring God down to themselves. They could reach God in their effort and in their power, in their strength. Brothers and sisters... You cannot build a tower tall enough to reach God. You cannot do enough in your life to save yourself. You cannot build enough wealth to make it through heaven. You cannot do it on your own this morning. That's, that's the point of this whole section. A Babylonian heart tries to make himself known to God or tries to build his way up to the gods. You cannot do it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 uh, through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. You cannot build your tower. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is by grace and grace alone that not only you have life and breath, but you're here this morning to hear the good news of Jesus. It is by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not of works. You cannot build your way to God. This, wasn't a, uh, this attempt by these people that have settled in Babylon, uh, it's futile. 
I didn't mention that this morning, but they settle in the land of Shinar. It's known as modern-day Iraq, Babylon. All throughout Scripture, we see Babylon's bad, right? Uh, it's the anti-city of God. It's in opposition to God over and over and over again. They, uh, they're the Babylonian exile where they take the people of God and they ruin everything. Uh, Seventy years of captivity in Revelation. Babylon is known as the great prostitute. And King Jesus defeats it. Babylon is the anti-God. Uh, terrorists call the United States the great Babylon. You cannot work your way to God. Babylon thinks that they are strong enough and tough enough and cool enough to build their own city, to build their own tower, to reach the gods. And you cannot do it this morning. If you're here and you're exhausted and you're wore out from trying to do enough for God, stop. He's already done it for you in his son, Jesus. We are to rest in that good grace and rest in that good news that he has done the work on the cross to save us from our sin. The second thing of a Babylonian heart, uh, it seeks to make a name for his or herself. How many followers do you have on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, in life? <laughs> it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Do you use what you have to share the name of Jesus, or do you simply want to be great in yourself? They were building a city, they were building a tower, and they were saying, hey, let's build this high enough and big enough so that people will want to come to us. They want to come to where we are. You can walk into any bookstore and see that there's tons of self-help books. Living your best life now. It's not about that. It's about Jesus and what we can do for his name and making his name great. It's not even about Mount Moriah. It's about Jesus. It's not about my family name. It's about Jesus. It's not about how many degrees I can get. It's about Jesus. It's not about how many people know me. It's about Jesus. Every day that I wake up and I can breathe, everybody take a deep breath. That breath is from Jesus and it's for Jesus. And when you leave this building, remember, it's not about you, it's about Jesus making his name great. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I prayed to God while I was in the hospital and I prayed that I wouldn't go on a ventilator. But I prayed that any breath that I have, it's for him. If I'm able to walk out of the place, it's for him. And every breath that I have, have take after that is going to be for him. I pray that it's the same on your heart today. That if you are living and breathing, it's for Jesus. And that if one day he calls you home, you'll get to be with him forever. Amen? It's not about us. It's not about making our name great, but it's about Jesus and making his name great. The third thing of a Babylonian heart, it ignores the plans and purposes of God. We see this in verse 4. They say, lest we be dispersed over the whole earth. What did God tell Adam and Eve? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. What does he tell Noah and his sons? Be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the Lord's purpose that will stand forever. The plan from the beginning was that humanity would fill the earth with the image and glory of God. And we see humanity over and over and over again failing. We fail in that today. Matthew twenty four fourteen says this, In the gospel, 
of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus is saying something very poignant here. He's saying when the gospel reaches the nations, all peoples, the end is near. Why is this important? The goal of humanity is to share the glory and the good news of God to the ends of the earth. The gospel should be the thing that we talk about at all times to everyone in all places. That's the point. The glory of God and the, the gospel to the nations. Well, why can't we sit here year after year after year after year after year after year and do nothing? Because that's not the plan. The plan was never to amass wealth and just membership and all that and just sit. The plan was to go to the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the goal of the church. That's the goal of the people of God. But let's look at verse 5. Point number one <coughs> was the hearts of man. Point number two is God comes down. Verse 5 says this <coughs> in a second. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. The writing here, we don't catch it in English, but it's very ironic. It's very funny. The Lord had to come down like a man to stoop on his hands and knees to see the great tower which man had built. Man's attempts to build his way up to God is like a tiny speck in the eye of God. But the good news is that he came down. Christianity is the only religion that says our God comes down to meet us. Every other religion has to build his way up or her way up to the gods or to paradise. Our God comes down because he loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one only Son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn the world but to save that which is lost. Our God comes down. This is a sinful humanity trying to earn their way independently of God to God. It sounds crazy. And yet he comes down and he sees what they've done. He comes down in his grace and his mercy and in his love and he deals with sin justly. Point number three is from six through nine. God's purposes will stand. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city, and therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them from all over the face of the earth. God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. While we sin, Jesus died for us. While sinners put Jesus on the cross, he went willingly to die for them. While we sin in our life, in our attempts to be God, he still loves us enough to give us life and breath that we would reach out to him and find salvation in his son, Jesus. God intervenes in this moment 
His purposes will stand forever. He's not afraid that the people of, of, of the mankind are going to, to be so powerful they'll overthrow him. He's not, this is not like, come let us go down and see the city. Let's confuse them because whatever they propose to do will be impossible. It's not like God is afraid. He's saying, let's stop sin before it gets worse. Just like he does in the flood. Just like he does in the garden. God intervenes in the life of humanity. You can sin in your life. This morning, you can leave here and go do whatever you want to do sinfully and get away with it for a time. God deals with sin. You cannot run from it and you cannot hide from it. One day, whether in this life or the next, you will be judged on everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said. These people are lucky. God could have just wiped them out in an instant. And yet he comes down and he meets them in their sin and his plans and purposes are going to stand. He uses this horrible moment and he changes it into something beautiful we'll see here in a second. God deals with sin. You don't have to live in sin. Jesus has died on the cross for your sin. Past, present, and future. And he gives you a way out. You can follow his son all the days of your life, or you can choose to not and live independent and autonomous from God. It doesn't work. There's confusion in families. There's problems in families. There's heartache in families. Why? Most families, if we're honest, don't depend on God. We choose to walk on our own. We don't seek God first. We seek the self-help book or Dr. Phil or Mari to see who the father is. That's kind of a joke but it's not really funny <laughs> Matthew 10 says this are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father but even the hairs of your head are all numbered fear not therefore you are more valuable than sparrows even in your sin you are more valuable than sparrows why because you bear the image of God he loves you if you're sitting and you're breathing you have another chance to turn from your sin and follow Jesus. God, in his infinite wisdom, causes humanity to disperse from this moment across the face of the earth. He makes it hard for humanity to unite in global sin. Therefore, he's restraining evil amongst people of the world. Why does God do that? I don't know. How does he do that? I don't know. We see evil in the world, right? You can turn on the news and see something bad every day. Every second, everything's breaking news and everything's bad. It's all bad out there. In here, we have good news. It's Jesus. Why does God do what he does? I don't know. He's God and we are not. His plans stand forever. But this is the cool thing. We look at this and say, why is it bad that man makes a tower and, and they, a city and they want to be known that's not the plan. The plan was to be fruitful, multiply, and what? Fill the earth with what? His image and his glory. He disperses the na these people to where? The earth, right? Look at chapter 10. It's the nations. He disperses them to the nations. Why is this important? Jesus says the gospel has to get to where before the end comes? The nations. 
God's plan and his purposes last and stand forever. We may not understand anything that's going on right now. We don't understand why COVID happens. We don't understand why people lose their job. We don't understand why divorce happens. We don't understand all this stuff. We can say sin, sin's the answer. That's why everything happens, sure. But we don't understand it. We don't see the big picture. The big picture is God's plans and purposes will last forever. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Just one chapter over. We see humanity spread out to the nations, dispersed, many languages. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse you, or curse those who or dishonor you. I will curse, and in your all, or in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Who is making Abram's name great? God. Is Abraham trying to make his own name great? Why is God going to use Abram to bless who? The nations, the earth. God, through Abraham, comes Jesus. You can look at Matthew chapter 1 for the lineage. God says to humanity, I'm going to make you into the nations. I want you to go and spread to the nations to bring my glory and my name across the globe. They were like, no, we're going to sit still and, and build a city and we're going to stay put. And God said, okay, I'll, 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 I'll call your bluff. And he comes down and he gives them all different languages and he disperses them across the face of the earth. And in the very next chapter, he says, Abram, I'm going to make your name great because you're going to bless the nations. Well, how does he bless the nations? Through Abraham comes Jesus. And the nations are blessed with the gospel and the work that he does on the cross. Revelation 5, 9 through 10 says this, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Revelation 7, 9 through 10, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Do you see it? The sins of Babel and the spreading out of languages sets the stage for every nation, every tribe, and tongue to one day say, Jesus is Lord. And you have an opportunity to be a part of it. God doesn't call us to come and sit and just to have a membership role and go home and die. He calls us to come, to gather together, to worship his name, and to go and spread his name to the nations to make his name great. This morning, you may not know Jesus. This could be the morning. I'm going to ask the deacons to come and stand with me. Some of them maybe to stand. I'll be sitting. Uh, but we'd love to talk to you about Jesus. You Maybe this morning you're like, I want to start over. I've given my life to Christ, but I, want to, I kind of want to start. I want, to, I want a new purpose and a new life. Well, this morning I say, repent and come. <laughs> Seek God and his face and his will for your life. We're going to pray, and then we're going to come and sing, and we'll be sitting, I'll be sitting uh, up front. If you want to come and pray, uh, we're going to pray. But afterwards, uh, we're going to pray for Houston. 
uh, if that's okay. Well, well, you can come and sit too. We'll sit together. Uh, and we want to lay hands on Houston and pray with him before his procedure uh, that God heal you uh, and that God use you to make his name great wherever you go. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you that we have life <coughs> and breath. And God, I pray that you take our Babylonian hearts and you melt them away so that we can live our lives for you to take your glory to the ends of the earth, to share your good news wherever we go. I pray that we as a church, as we gather, that you help us grow together, that you help us understand our purpose and the meaning of what church is all about. It's about you and your son, Jesus. Help us to make his name great. Amen.